0: Let's go ahead and uh, get into the Word tonight. We will be uh, out of Amos, believe it or not, the book of Amos, two books prior to um, two books prior to Jonah, it's in the minor prophets, Old Testament, and so I will put those scriptures up on the screen as well. Um, so tonight's going to be talking about celebrating Christmas, or are we celebrating Christ? And so let's go and get into a quick word of prayer and then uh, we'll get into the word. Father God, once again, we, we love your word. We love your, these times in your word to, to learn of you. And again, we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would reveal your word to us, that you would open it up in new and exciting ways, maybe stir us up by way of reminder or by way of revelation, Lord. For the first time, maybe some of these scriptures have been revealed to us. And so we pray that our hearts would be open, that the soil would be soft, and Lord, that the seed of your word would penetrate deeply. It would take root. It would bear much fruit for you, Lord, and help us to mature tonight. Uh, pressing on to maturity and and, uh, growing in the inner man. We thank you and we praise you. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name, amen. And so uh, last Wednesday, we focused on our Heavenly Father being the ultimate gift giver, uh, being the, the perfect gift giver, and that perfect gift being Christ, being wrapped in those swaddling cloths, that, that, that idea of being wrapped as we wrap gifts for Christmas, Jesus wrapped in, in those, that humility of, of the swaddling cloths, and, and uh, as Christ fulfilled so many of what would be a perfect gift here in our context, in our world, um, Christ fit all of that criteria, and then some so God being that, that perfect gift giver. And tonight, we're going to focus on celebration. What are we celebrating during this time of year? Are we celebrating Christmas? And I, and I know that kind of sounds like a, a, a trick question, or are we celebrating Christ? Because you know this time of year, we, we try to get into the Christmas spirit, and, and there's different ways that people can get into the Christmas spirit or feel like they can get into the Christmas spirit. And if you maybe took a random sampling of a thousand people, uh, you might get a number of people to say, "You know, I, I, I go to a number of Christmas or holiday- type parties, um, going to the malls and go shopping. I see all the, uh, the, the uh, shops de- uh, decked out with their winter decor, the, the windows painted. And whatnot, uh, maybe taking your child to see Santa, uh, touring the neighborhoods that are famous for extravagant light shows, uh, going through those types of neighborhoods. I know that can get people into Christmas spirit, quote unquote. Maybe you go to a tree lighting ceremony downtown, uh, watching a, a big Christmas tree get lit up. Uh, maybe going to see a Christmas parade or a boat parade. Those are always fun times as well. Uh, seeing people put reindeer antlers on their head. A couple of the kiddos had those on their head. And sometimes you see those on cars or the, the big reindeer uh, nose rudolph's nose on a car so all these things we try to uh, see if it gets us into the christmas spirit and and you know the parties that you you have to go to or you get invited to um you might go to an office holiday party and those those are interesting Uh, a neighborhood party maybe you hold christmas parties yourself or maybe go to a christmas dinner or christmas function here at, at at uh at the church um and so last year i counted i went to five holiday parties I went to five different holiday or Christmas parties, and one uh, when I worked at the school district, we had one there, and then we got invited to one that was called Chrsbuka. It was half Christmas, half Hanukkah. The the woman who held it was was Jewish, and so she kind of blended the word Christmaska, and it was it was just your kind of typical run-of-the-mill. Party and, and and very nice gathering, and then three family gatherings, one of which we hosted, and and each of these you kind of feel an obligation to maybe uh, bring something, not come empty-handed, uh, fulfill uh, the theme of the party if there's any uh, you know dress-up theme, ugly sweater, what have you. If it's a work party, how much do I socialize with the people that I work with? That's always kind of an awkward social experiment. I was just in the office with you 30 minutes ago. Now we're at a office party, and and how much do I socialize you? How much do I divulge of my personal personal relationships, and, and, and is that going to be held against me on Monday, especially when you're maybe socializing with your boss and, you know, uh, different different types of activities are, are happening, and there's, there's some regrets that happen after some of those office parties. Um, some of the top regrets, obviously, are being... Uh, partaking of alcohol too much, getting intoxicated, maybe getting romantically involved with somebody in the office is probably a result of being intoxicated as well, and maybe saying something rude or obnoxious, start to gossip. And so these parties, again, are associated with Christmas and may be termed as a holiday party, but really is it getting you in the holiday spirit? And so, you know, they re- people return back to work in embarrassment. Maybe they get reprimanded by human resources. Maybe even have a run-in with the law, some even spend the night in the office because the party got the better of them. And so, again, is this truly the Christmas spirit, or is this something that uh, people think they're getting in the Christmas spirit and, and celebrating Christmas? Um, I looked up some of the tree lighting ceremonies that, that go along in our nation, and believe it or not, we have a 97-year tradition that happens in Washington, D.C., and it's the National Christmas Tree Lighting Ceremony. It happens right there on the grounds, and uh, happened in 1923 for the first time. And I just started looking through some of the different things. I was wondering, did it have anything to do with the Lord? Did it have anything to do truly with Christmas? And I was happy to find in 1940, FDR condemned the war. He invoked the Beatitudes of Christ. And he exhorted uh, the belligerent nations to read the Sermon on the Mount. I, I thought, wow, that, that's phenomenal. That's, that's the, the meaning or the core of why we celebrate Christmas. And then it was interesting to note in 2016, everyone that took the stage that evening from president obama to the musical talent had the opportunity to shine a spotlight on their personal connection with national parks and i was like well that doesn't seem to connect with christmas but okay so just in 50 60 70 years we see kind of a a change or a different approach to the christmas tree lighting party and and so these these holiday parades are also interesting. You know, they could be 30 years in running, 500,000 people strong, and yet when you look at the descriptions of them, they're talking about festive balloons. They're talking about gingerbread men. Uh, they might be looking at Mrs. Claus being uh, drawn by a horse-drawn carriage or jingle bells are handed out to ring in the magical season. Um, you know, the Target Holodazzle party or, or parade in, in Minneapolis has 300,000 people on a yearly basis, and they tout a high-tech Uh, show of special effects again no mention of the lord but this is again the world's way of celebrating quote-unquote the holiday season or or christmas disney parks they go all out they have uh, scrooge mcduck uh, mickey minnie donald duck they have all of their characters on display no doubt in in christmas regalia but has nothing really to do with the heart of christmas if you start to look at the holiday songs, if you turn on the radio, walk through the stores, you hear songs like All I Want for Christmas Is You by Mariah Carey and Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, Jingle Bell Rock, Santa Baby. All these different songs that really, again, um, are, uh, are based on what we would call the Christmas season, but completely empty and void in terms of any type of spiritual connection. And the list of characters that are associated with Christmas are, are near endless Um, Of course, the little drummer boy, Scrooge, uh, Frosty the Snowman, so forth and so on. So the list of holiday activities, I could go on for for probably another 30 minutes. And yet, all of these things really are empty and void of any substance, of any true relationship with the Lord. And it's sad because so many people believe this is what gets them in the quote-unquote holiday season or the Christmas spirit. Um, We maybe even have some Christian brothers and sisters uh, substitute the, the true meaning of Christmas, the true celebration of Christ's birth for some of these activities. Now, let me, let me preface this. Going to these things or participating in these activities, there's nothing wrong with them. It's not sin in and of itself. What the, the message is for tonight is, what are we truly celebrating? Because if those things are starting to take the place of our worship of the Lord during this time, uh, then we have... Uh, some scripture that will shed some light as to how God felt about his people of Israel back during the 700s or so. So we're going to go ahead and turn to Amos chapter 5 and before we do just a little background on Amos. God raised up Amos to be a prophet right around 760 to 750 BC and he was a herdsman which is a lowly uh, social status. He was a herdsman in a small town of Tekoa in south of Judah and by the way Tekoa means trumpet and we know trumpet is a, is obviously a musical instrument, but it's also something that can be used to sound the alarm to give you an indication that something is going to happen. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16 that God will initiate the rapture through three distinct sounds. One, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, that the voice of the archangel will also sound, and with the trumpet of God... The dead will rise in Christ, and those who are alive and remain will be caught up, will be raptured to be with the Lord in the air. And so the trumpet of God is going to sound the alarm of the rapture. I can't wait for that sound. I listen for it every day. You could say that Amos was being used by God in this way to uh, be sort of what we call a modern-day whistleblower. He's giving them a trumpet, a sound, an urgent call back to repentance and and, and showing their their false religious system, their vain worship. Uh, The Holy Spirit through Amos is, interestingly enough, spotlighting and condemning their positions of power and influence that they they had gained on the backs of people who were less affluent and less capable of defending themselves. You can read that in Amos if you would like to study on yourself. The people of Israel also had devoted themselves to, uh, like I said, uh, uh, they were devoid of love, a false religious system. They weren't worshiping God in spirit and in truth. They were worshiping him in pretense. And so they would engage in religious activities with no authenticity, with no genuineness. And so they were paying God lip service, or what we will also see as eye service. They were trying to appear uh, as if they were worshiping God, but they were falling very, very short. So that's where we pick up. We're going to be in Amos chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, and I'm going to caution you the first four words, very strong language. I hate, I reject your festivals, nor do I delight. In your solemn assemblies, verse twenty-two. Even though you offer to uh, offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, and I will not even look at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs; I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. Verse twenty-four. But let your justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like ever flowing, like an ever flowing stream. So imagine the shock and the awe the people had when Emiss. Amos prophesied these words. God, yes, said, I hate. We think of God as a God of love, but God in this sense is saying, I hate. And this, this term means extreme disgust, an intense hostility toward and just growing exceedingly weary of. He was, had an intense hostility towards this vain form of worship, this vain form of festivities. The Holy Spirit through Amos provides insight into the mind and heart of God. And again, if we think of God as love and we don't think he can hate, then we have to Take a little deeper look into the scriptures god can also be a jealous god and he's not jealous like we are like if we're insecure or we have some form of selfishness involved in our in our jealousy god is jealous for us because he wants that true relationship with us so that we can reap the blessings of what that relationship would have for us and and that way we can glorify him because he is deserving of that glory and, and god hates sin so much God does hate sin so much that he became sin. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might know the righteousness of God. God hated sin so much that he erased it himself by becoming sin through the, in the form of Jesus Christ. And so yes, God hates and rejects these festivals. The people, again, were vain, vainly holding these hollow religious festivals and they were disingenuous in their solemn assemblies. And so we can make the mistake of thinking we're worshiping God but when we are really just empty and in pretense um, giving him lip service and eye service in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 and 6 Paul's talking to the Ephesians and giving them a a bit of um, instruction and it's more about the servant master relationship But in the context of this is something that's really, really important as we start to look at how we worship the Lord. He says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as as of slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Paul, in the context of this kind of servant-master relationship, he is talking about integrity. As we worship the Lord, we are to worship the Lord with fear and trembling, with reverence. There is a uh, a fear and a trembling. There is a a reverence that needs to be present when we're worshiping the Lord. That that screams authenticity. Uh, With sincerity of heart. We can't do it, again, with, with a hollow heart or with vain motives. If not... We are just becoming a man pleaser or eye service. This term eye service is, if, if you think of somebody in your work who only does hard work when the boss is around, who is only, uh, was that my phone? I hope it's not in my phone. Okay. Sorry, uh, got, I thought I heard a ring. Um, somebody who's, who's uh, trying to play eye service to the Lord is somebody who's just... Uh, really trying to uh, please their boss only when they're around, but really when they're gone, they're just half-stepping it. They're just cutting corners. And so when we are coming to this place, hopefully we're not just paying eye service to the Lord. We're worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth here, but in every aspect of our life. As we're going home in 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 the comfort of our own home, maybe when we're at work or any other context that we find ourselves in, we're not just paying eye service to the Lord here. We're worshiping in spirit and truth in all contexts of our life. We, we're supposed to love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. We're supposed to worship him in spirit and truth, and that's supposed to go through each and every context of our life. The Lord says, I reject your festivals. God, in a sense, in, in, our, sense, in, in our vernacular, he's, he's doubling down here. I hate, I reject. Reject is a very, very firm word. I think a lot of people in here fear rejection, right? That's sometimes why we don't even share our faith. We fear the rejection of man and so because they lacked a true and devotion to god god was rejecting these these solemn assemblies these festivals that they were having and again they possessed no humble obedience to god they didn't show that they had a love for his word a love for his righteousness a love for his truth they were doing their own thing and falsely worshiping the lord and so In so doing, they're making a mockery of what a true relationship of of God is. And so when you look at some of these solemn assemblies that we see in our modern day culture, you see uh, different... like I said, holiday parties, parades, all of these things, if this is what people are truly trying to capture Christmas with, it's empty, it's vain, and it actually is a bit of a mockery of what celebrating Christ is all about during this time of year, celebrating his birth. They're, they're trading in Christmas for these vain uh, celebratory events. And some people even use it as their, their form of worship. Jesus said, uh, "In, in uh, the law and the prophets depended on two commandments. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And then the second is that you should love your neighbor as yourself. Very, very simple. Love the Lord and love other people. And you will see that as part of our church's uh, uh, mission statement if you will that is our heart is to love god with everything we have and to love you guys as you come through these doors each and every day each and every wednesday sunday and maybe midweek study that you feel the love of god through those who serve here and so that those are the the two commandments that sum up the law and the prophets you can't sin if you're loving god and you're loving people there is no way you can uh uh, sin against the law when the lord says nor do i delight that also can be translated, nor do I like the smell. I don't like the smell of your solemn assembly. So now he's appealing to a sense, right? One of our sensory experiences. The Bible likens the smell of burnt offerings as a soothing aroma, something that, uh, that is a soothing aroma to the Lord. And so God didn't find the aroma soothing, not because of the actual smell. It's not like he's a connoisseur saying, you know, uh, it lacked the fruity, herbaceous, uh, floral notes of, of the sheep's entrails. I didn't really quite get it. It had nothing to do with the smell itself. It had to do with the heart behind what that particular uh, um, assembly was all about. The, the, the sacrifice of that, that assembly had nothing to do with the smell itself. It had to do with the heart that was behind it. God found their burnt offerings and soothing aromas as reprehensible. It didn't, it, it, he didn't even want to, to smell it. The innocent animal was that substitutionary uh, uh, animal for the sin of man. The, the innocent animal was to replace the man. It was a substance or a foreshadowing picture in Christ. But again, it was just a temporary covering. But he didn't even want to look at that particular offering because it was um, something that he didn't even want to smell. It's interesting. There's different aromas that you find in the Bible. In Ezekiel 6 verse 13, we read of offerings made to idols and those offerings are described as having a pleasing aroma to the idols. But God has a harsh rebuke to those who give a pleasing aroma or sacrifice to idols that give them a pleasing aroma. But in Ephesians 5, 2, excuse me, 5, 1 and 2, uh, Paul talks about a greater aroma, a fragrant aroma that Christ Uh, depicts in in Ephesians five one It says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. You want to have a fragrant aroma? You want to be pleasing to the Lord in terms of a sense of smell? You follow after Christ's example, his sacrificial love, a love that offers without expecting anything in return a love that sacrifices of self a love that will go the extra mile when not asked A love that will be there even when it doesn't feel like it. A love that is devoid of feelings and is all about actions. You see that in Christ. He says, walk in love. It is an action. It is not a feeling. It is not based on circumstance. It's based on the template that Christ set for us. He is our example. So the contrast of those sweet aromas, those fragrant aromas, are very, very clear. And so when we are in these solemn assemblies, are we walking in love? Is it a fragrant aroma to our Lord? As we're celebrating Christ. Christ and and His birth, is it a fragrant aroma because of the love that we are showing in our lives and, and walking in as as Christ modeled, modeled for us? Verse twenty two, he has some more strong language and he changes the sensory experience from smell now to sight. He says, "I will not accept your burnt offerings and your grain offerings." But then, interestingly, in, interestingly enough, he says, "I will not even look at these peace offerings." These peace offerings were also known as fellowship offerings. And so the fellowship offering is you can't have fellowship with God when there is sin sin is the great separator it will separate you from the lord without the atoning blood of christ and so if you're trying to worship the lord without receiving christ as your savior you are worshiping him vainly because you don't have the atone the, the atoning blood of christ and so this peace offering this fellowship offering was not even being looked at by god he wouldn't even give it a first look much a second look peace offerings were supposed to be from the fatlings or the choicest uh, of the flock or the herd. You were supposed to offer the choicest, choicest animal, the one that was the healthiest, the, the, the one that had no flaw. You weren't to offer an emaciated, sickly animal because it was to show that you are doing well, that you are affluent, that you are, uh, the God has blessed you. But again, if you have sin separating you from the Lord, there is no fellowship with God. Therefore, he won't even look at that particular offering and, and accept it. So their false religion, their sin, had reached such a level that God wouldn't even consider their offering, wouldn't even take a look at it. And so, again, going back to our examples of what gets us in the Christmas spirit, how are we celebrating Christmas or are we celebrating Christ? And so if there is a sin issue that's separating us from the Lord and we haven't received God's only son, the gift that changed everything, The gift of christ then these these this peace offering that we have through these different solemn assemblies through these vain forms of worship they're not even going to be looked at by the lord and and you might be going well how does god even know to not look at it how did he know not to accept it from these people um you know how did he know they were heartless and how did he know this this worship wasn't from the bottom of their heart and we look in luke chapter 16 Uh, Did I skip one? Oh, you know what? Maybe I didn't have that one up there. I apologize. Didn't get this one up. So if you want to follow along in your Bible, Luke chapter 16, and maybe keep your hand in Amos. Luke chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus is in the process of rebuking the Pharisees. They're they're lovers of money. Uh, they, They love their material wealth. He says, "'You are those who justify yourselves in the sight of men, "'but God knows your hearts, "'for that which is highly esteemed among men "'is detestable in the sight of God.'" And so when, when men try to, or men or women, try to worship God vainly, in pretense, and they're trying to do it to appear as men-pleasers, trying to do it in a way that makes them look good, God sees the intent of the heart. He understands the depths of man's heart. And so when we try to do that, uh, as the Pharisees did, he will call us out. And as Amos says, or God through Amos says, he will not even look at our offering. He won't even, not even talk about accepting it. He won't even give it a look. And so self-righteousness, uh, the outward man, um, it, it really can be an abomination and detestable to the Lord if we don't have the, the atoning blood of Christ as our, as our, uh, as our way to, to have a relationship with the Lord. God doesn't even look at those uh, sacrifices. As we move down to uh, 23, he shifts from, again, the smell to the sight. Now you look at, uh, there's a noise problem. Verse 23, Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. The noise of your songs, and, and, and this is an interesting word choice because, again, when we get back to the Christmas music that we hear on the radio, the Christmas music you hear in stores, so much of it has nothing to do with Christ. You know, when, when we heard the children sing, every single song had, was centered on Jesus. Those are the true Christmas songs, right? But then you hear so many other songs that have nothing to do with Christ and have, th- have things to do with winter wonderland and Santa and reindeers and, and jingle bells and things of that nature. And they're so void of anything spiritual, yet people get in the Christmas spirit and think they're celebrating Christmas by singing these songs. Again, there's nothing wrong with these songs in and of themselves if they are just, you know, uh, in in their proper place. If you have Christ as the center of your heart and the center of your Christmas season, no problem. But if this is how you're celebrating Christmas, the words of Amos, I think, are going to be applicable. It says, take away from me your noise of your songs. Um, I don't know if you've ever had a neighbor Uh, who started a party maybe about you know six o'clock in the evening at first you hear the the music and it's not too bad but at about 11 or 12 at night when you're trying to go to sleep all you hear is the music and all of a sudden that music that was once tolerable is completely just noise and it just weighs on you it's heavy and that's what this word means it means remove it from me It, it, it has become heavy it's like a weight on me and that's what the noise of this music has become when songs are in tune, when our worship band is working together and you have all the, all the different elements of the worship band working together, it, it's, it's in harmony, it's together, right? And, and it's not noise, it's actually a sweet sound in, in our ear. But if we had the worship band playing in two different keys or uh, two different members of the worship band were playing two different songs, it would be clashing. And so again, when you're trying to worship the, God, worship the Lord with loveless and empty heart, um, those two things are, are mutually exclusive. You can't worship God under pretense. And so it's like trying to play two different songs at once. They clash. And so that's what's going on here. It just becomes noise. Uh, this vain form of worship had become noise to the Lord. And and we get a, a, an inclination of what Uh, how we can be, again, a a noise to God in in maybe a different context. But Paul gives us an an insight in chapter uh, 13 of 1 Corinthians, the famed love chapter. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Are you starting to see a theme, a recurring theme here? Love is the recurring theme. And as we continue to uh, exhibit the agape love that Christ will will instill in us as we come to a right relationship with him, uh, we will stay away from being a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If we do all of these things in false pretense, we will become that noise or that sounding cymbal. Songs of praise when sung from the heart are a sweet sound in God's ear. So when we're worshiping in spirit and truth as corporately or even individually, it's a sweet sound in the Lord's ear Paul tells us in in Ephesians, he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then the emanation of that Spirit, of being filled with the Spirit, is speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart. And then we become a thankful people as a result of that. But we start to have uh, the, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our lives starts to become psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We speak to one another in those ways. And then all of a sudden we have a song playing in our heart. I don't know if you've ever woken up with a song on your heart and it wasn't there when you went to sleep. That's the spirit working inside you. Your spirit is praising the Lord. And so when you have the spirit of God in your life, in your heart, you will make melody in your heart to the Lord. And so that's what God desires. That's who our Lord, uh, that, that's what our Lord desires, and that's why he came. He wanted that personal relationship with you. Apart from Christ coming to the earth, we would have no ability to have that type of relationship with our God because the temporary substitutionary sacrifices of animals only covered for a little while. It was only to picture what was to come, which was the substance, Christ. And so once we, re, we w- that's what we're celebrating during the, this Christmas season is not all of the Christmas festivities. We're celebrating the ability to have a relationship with our God through Christ. And that's what Paul was talking about in worshiping in spirit and truth. And so verse 24, as we start to get towards the end here, it says, but let justice roll down like waters and and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And so again, the Holy Spirit through Amos is giving us a word picture here and a word picture of how sterile, lifeless, heartless worship can be acceptable uh, once again to God. When the people of God demonstrate a heartfelt personal concern for God's laws, for his morality, when we deliberately apply his justness and his rightness into our personal lives and into our society as a whole, that is when these festivals, these solemn assemblies, these offerings that we give, the songs that we sing, that's when they become acceptable. When we're applying what God has told us, when we're obedient to what God has asked us to be obedient to and we're worshiping him in spirit and truth, that's when he is no longer, we're, we're not a, a bad smell to him or a noise in his ear or he won't even give us a second look. That's when he devotes his attention to us because we now have come to him on, on a, and we are now in a right standing. So this word picture of, of, of this rolling water and this ever-flowing stream, uh, it, it, is, it is meant to depict that it is to be continuous. It's not to be a momentary flow. So the water that, that is flowing from an ever-flowing stream isn't momentary. It's to be continuous. This is to flow from our lives continuously, not just a little bit, not just here or there. It's not to dry up and it's not to be dammed up by sin get clogged up by the sin in our lives. It's to be an ever-flowing river like uh, waters flowing uh, in a river. So as Bible-believing, Christ-loving Christians, as as we come into this Christmas season, we might be attending multiple holiday parties. We might be going to a tree-lighting ceremony, going to a parade, looking at lights, enjoying those different types of things, maybe going and singing Christmas carols and, and listening to different types of Christmas music maybe going to like a winter wonderland and building snowmen and whatnot, and a lot of those things might be limited these days. But that can't be the substance of our uh, worship of the Lord during this time. It can be an opportunity now to reach out to those who think that is the Christmas season. That is what Christmas is all about. And it is an opportunity now to share and meditate on the fact that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that the Word of God became flesh. It became an infant And dwelt among us. We've all held an infant at some point. I think when you hold a baby, you marvel at their breathing. You can hear them breathing so subtly. You can see the the beauty in their eyes, the detail in their little fingers and toes, how defenseless and how dependent they are on you. And to think that our Messiah, the one who was called Emmanuel, God with us, was in that form, and think about holding the Messiah in that form that gives you an idea of how, what lengths God went to to have a relationship with us. So imagine the chance of holding the Messiah as an infant, as you would maybe uh, an infant child in your family. That's something that we can share with people in the midst of this Christmas season who are worshiping or maybe engaging in Christmas in, in a vain, empty way. We can celebrate God's word and his faithfulness. Last week, we just gave you three or four different scriptures that pointed to God's prophecy that was fulfilled in the life of Christ. So therefore, God's word is true. It's accurate. We can celebrate that this time of year because Christ came, because God was faithful to fulfill the prophecies that he foretold hundreds and hundreds of years prior in, through prophets uh, of old that Christ fulfilled those, those prophecies. And now we have a cause to celebrate even more so because God's word is true, it's accurate. So what he says is about to come, what will come, will come to pass. We can celebrate that. And, and do we truly get that the day of Christ's birth changed everything? If you tell somebody today's date, December 16th, 2020, you're indicating that Christ was born about 2,020 years ago, right? Everything that we do in terms of our date is Uh, goes back to the birth of christ whether people like it or not i know they want to take christ out of christmas i know they want to take christ out of the the public square but they can't change our our month and our date because that does point back to when christ was born and so when we sing songs of worship and honor and praise and celebrate god we need to commemorate his birth we need to express our love in a true and a honorable way to the Lord. And again, if we mix in a song here or there that, that is of the world or maybe has you know, no uh, connection to the Lord, again, it is a time to show that we can worship in spirit and truth. And, and, and again, share that with somebody who doesn't know any better. And then we can avoid the blunt rebuke that the people received from God through Amos, the prophet Amos, when he says, I hate and I reject your festivals. May it never be for us may he be pleased with how we celebrate him during this school, uh, this year the solemn assemblies the the tree lighting ceremonies don't have to be vain and empty anymore we can start to dwell on the beauty of the lord and that he is the light of the world that the christmas lights that we do enjoy represent the light of the world coming in to the, to the world what's interesting if you go 3 verses up verses 18 19 and 20 in in amos you realize that the people that are being rebuked were longing for the day of the Lord. Verse 18 says, Alas, you who are a longing for the day of the Lord, for what purpose will the day of the Lord be to you? It will be darkness instead of light. See, these folks thought that they, because they were Jewish, because they were of, of their heritage, they thought they were safe and secure. They thought that the day of the Lord, that the Lord would then establish the people of Israel and Israel through uh, the coming Messiah. And what should have been a comfort to them was now a terror to them. It was false security. And so many people have that false security now. They think they're a good person because they celebrate Christmas in a way that, that uh, is, is acceptable to them. And, and what's uh, uh, um, uh, common in our society, they don't have a right relationship with the Lord at this particular time because they haven't, again, received the Lord. And so therefore, they're, they're worshiping in vain. And so what should be a comforting season to them, and, and they might think it's comforting, it actually, the, the, the birth of Christ is actually, should be a fearful thing to them because they haven't received the birth of Christ as, as what it really is, the substance of the birth of Christ. And so this false security is... Uh, is prevalent in our society now. And again, it's another way to, to reach out. This is a great time to reach out and evangelize, to be a witness, to engage people in conversation, to ask them how they really are celebrating Christmas. They will tell you, and you'll get an indication of what they plan to do through their through their plans, through their festivities, through their parties. And then it is a great time to now share and evangelize and, and hopefully uh, give them good news that, that Christ is, is the reason for why we celebrate during this time. Unfortunately, there's, there are those who, again, just continue to, to worship in vain and those who want to outwardly reject Christ altogether. And so those are the, that's the difficult conversation to have, those who are outwardly rejecting, uh, God-hating, uh, insolent towards God and so therefore, um, this time of year, they, they want to actually stamp out and snuff out. They, not only do they uh, not celebrate it correctly, they don't want to celebrate it at all, and they want it not to be uh, even mentioned in the public square, in schools, or any other type of public uh, situation. And so may we be people that continue to stand strong in those, in those moments, because again, we have the right to worship our Lord in spirit and in truth, to bring in the... Uh, the, the, the infant child into our lives and also share that with those who don't have it. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for giving us your son, the, the infant son. And Lord, we celebrate his birth not in pretense, not with vain repetition, not with uh, false religious practices or ceremonies or festivals or anything that doesn't have any value or worth. Lord, we want to simply celebrate your birth because we know you came into this world to seek and to save the lost. We know you came into this world to not be served, but to serve, to not abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And Lord, when we grasp the lengths you went, the lengths that you went to love us, We are eternally grateful. So Lord, may we during this season not worship in vain. May we keep you as the center of every gathering. May we continue to dwell upon you when we sing songs of worship to you. When we offer love to those in the body, outside the body, Lord, that we would love with the agape love, the sacrificial love, the love that you demonstrated so beautifully. Help us to walk in love. May we not be a clanging cymbal or a sounding gong, but may we speak in love. So, Lord, we, this evening, want to just continue to worship you We want to continue to keep you in the center of our hearts, the center of this season. We just don't want to have Christmas. We want to worship our Lord and Savior. We want to worship Christ during this time. We thank you and we praise you.